Hi, I'm Daniel, and before the episode starts, I want to briefly talk to you about the Garden Outreach Project, a WCF program focused on putting faith into action. Our mission is to inspire and support Christadelphians in North America to share Christ's love through outreach initiatives. This is done by facilitating national and local outreach activities, supplying resources, and providing funds to help brothers and sisters serve those in need. For example, in 2020, over 40 ecclesial groups participated in our Bags of Love initiative, which saw over 800 sleeping bags distributed to shelters and those without a home. If you, your ecclesia, or CYC want to learn more and get involved with our latest initiative, please visit our website at www.thegardenoutreach.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Garden Outreach for the latest news and encouragement. And now, here's the show. This episode of A Little Faith with Cara Susie is about becoming a mother during the pandemic. We reflect upon these experiences of motherhood from many women who all have different stories to share. Through joy and sorrow, it has been a tough year for everyone, but we would like all these mothers to be acknowledged. Thank you so much to Anna, Rosie, Liz, Amanda, Josie, Crystal and Cara for sharing your stories. May God continue to bless and guide you on your journeys. Hello, welcome to Little Faith. Tonight I'm here with Cara Cece. Hi Cara, how are you doing? I'm good, Helen. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's really great to connect and chat. I know it's been quite a year. Tell us a bit more about yourself for all our listeners. All right, what to say. So my name is Kara Susie, formerly Kara Stewart. So maybe some listeners might know me by Kara Stewart. I live now near Boston, about an hour south of Boston. I'm originally from Ontario, Canada. So I'm a Canadian girl, but fell in love with an American, moved here, I guess, four years ago, which is crazy. And we recently had a baby, which brings me here tonight to talk about a little more. Joel, we had him last year in the fall. He's now seven months old, which is crazy. But yeah, we live our lives together here in Massachusetts. We're very active and healthy and involved in our ecclesia. Uh, kind of us in a nutshell. Thanks, Cara. So, Take us back a bit to like when you first found out you were pregnant. What month was that? So I found out a few days before my sister-in-law gave birth to her daughter, which was February 2nd, 2nd yeah. or 3rd. Like so and yeah. at that point, had you heard anything about coronavirus? No, it was a little bit talked about on the news with stuff happening in China in typical sort of North American fashion. We're like, oh, that's over there. No worries. It wasn't really a thing we needed to think about at the time where I, when I found out. But then as time went on, like once you had Joel, you were right in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah, so then it got really crazy once March hit. So a lot of the changes, I was working at the time as a personal trainer, going to people's homes. So that was kind of my focus of like, hiding my pregnancy from all of my clients. <laughs> but then uh, I had to 
you know, quit my business because obviously I couldn't be traveling to people's homes. My husband, Nate, ended up working full-time from home. So we just like had a quick dramatic shift in the middle of October or middle of March, sorry. And then in terms of the pregnancy, we kept getting like pretty crazy lockdowns and Nate has some serious, serious autoimmune condition, a blood condition. So we were like not even going to the grocery store at that point at the beginning. And then policies kept changing. I'm sure a lot of other moms in uh, who were pregnant in 2020, the hospitals just didn't know what was going on. So at the beginning, like I kept getting ultrasounds canceled because no one was doing ultrasounds. So my first couple ultrasounds got canceled. So that was a little concerning. And then, yeah, they weren't sure if Nate was going to be able to be in the hospital with me at all. Mm-hmm. So that was for probably a, a month or so, maybe two months. That was, all right, you need to prepare. You'll likely have to deliver on your own, especially if you had to get a section, C-section, you'll have to be on your own. My sister also had a baby in 2020 and she had to be in the operating room alone. She wasn't allowed to have her husband. She lives in Ontario. Mm-hmm. So that was probably my biggest concern during it. But then it turned out Nate was able to be with me for the whole time. I ended up having a C-section and we, the two of us just camped out in the hospital together for uh, a week. And that was a concern. But on, on the other side of things, you know, we just made the best of it. Nate and I just tried to make lockdown fun because it kept going and going. But yeah, things changed dramatically because all of a sudden I wasn't working. All of a sudden I didn't have my business. And then all of a sudden, Nate and I worked together like 24 seven. So that was a bit of an adjustment, mm-hmm. but it turned out to be the best thing that could have happened for my pregnancy. And then life as a new mom too. Yeah. Um, who, who were you allowed to see once you had Joel? What support did you have around you? So my mom was able to come down from Canada and she came down two weeks ahead of my due date and quarantined at the time we own a a two-family house we didn't have the apartment rented at the time so she was able to quarantine in the apartment and then Joel came a little early yeah Joel came a little early so she was here and fine and then she was stayed I think four weeks after he was born Mm -hmm. so I was like immensely grateful for that support. Like, I think I would have been in a lot rougher shape if my mom hadn't made that commitment to come down here. Nate's family was a little in and out. His sister-in-law works as a PA for any Canadian or probably UK listeners, the physician's assistant. Mm-hmm. So they're like, she's like right below. She works for doctors, but she pretty well has a lot of the same rights and privileges that a doctor would have. So she was like interacting with COVID patients daily. And she also, at the moment, lives with her family in my in-laws house. So it wasn't always consistent when we could see them because she would have a confirmed case or she had treated someone or so it was a lot of back and forth. Like they weren't very present in the beginning or really much at all last year. So yeah, it was my mom that was instrumental I think the challenging thing is the rest of my family hasn't met Joel and we're pretty fortunate to be in Massachusetts a lot of the vaccines are manufactured here pretty readily available like life's getting back to normal at this point 
versus Ontario is like mm. straight up back in lockdown. So it, that's kind of uh, a little tough. Like I haven't met my sister's son. She hasn't met Joel. My brother hasn't met Joel. We're hopeful that maybe Christmas time they're able to come. I'd love for them to come down here for a change mm-hmm. of scenery. But yeah, I think that's been challenging. But my mom, shout out to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> what did you envision your life was going to be like becoming a parent for the first time, especially when you first got pregnant and before you knew that there were there were any dangers with the pandemic, for example? Oh, this is such a good question, Helen. To answer it, I need to give a short context that from probably about the age when I was about like 10 to 21, I was working with kids. Every job I had, not every single job, but most jobs I had, I was a camp counselor. I taught swimming lessons for six years. I nannied for families. I babysat for families. My mom was a single mom. I was like a parent to my siblings. So I I was around kids constantly. I remember like when I turned like 22, like I stopped teaching swimming lessons and got a job with my university I'm like oh my goodness like I get to work with adults like I remember that to be like a thought so with that I have a lot of experience with kids like love kids and always has envisioned being a parent god willing one day but I never had experience with like infants to like two years old mm-hmm. so when I was pregnant regardless of it being a pandemic I think it would have been the same without the pandemic it was kind of just like a empty void of like I don't know what this is going to be about and I expected that I'd want to read everything and know everything but when I was pregnant I sort of chose or reading anything would stress me out like Nate probably read more than I did I just you know what I just gotta wait till I get there so Yes, yeah, didn't really allow myself to have a vision. I just was comfortable in in a space of, I don't know what it's going to be like, but I'm going to embrace it when it gets there, and and try. I just tried to block out all the noise that first time expecting moms get from other other people or the internet or books or it just becomes mm. overwhelming. So I just tried to be like, all right, let's just figure it out when it when we get there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's gone from really one extreme to the other where expectant mothers can be like overwhelmed but with all these voices and you can even get a lot of voices in your ecclesia can't you (laughs) like as well then the isolation of lockdown so let's explore that a bit we reached out to some people who've also become some first-time mothers second third fourth over the pandemic but mostly first-time mothers and lots of people came back to us which has been really lovely this extract from what Elizabeth Miles in Aylesbury UK this is what Liz had to say having a pandemic baby born last July 2020 the thing that I miss the most is his lack of socialization our life as a couple pre-covid was full of people it was hosting people on Sundays ecclesial lunches socials weekends away with friends visits to family We always imagined our little baby would fit into this life and be held, cuddled and enjoyed by family, friends and our ecclesia. Ten months after his birth though, and he's only been held by us, grandparents and health professionals. He's only been to the meeting room once and screams when face mask people come too close to him. I feel sad for him, but also for myself. I couldn't share him and his cheeky smile with others. 
By the time we see most of our friends in Ecclesia again, he'll be almost one. His babyhood will have been missed by nearly everyone. We had a really difficult first few months with him and I do wonder whether in a no-Covid world it might have been easier. I would have had antenatal classes and be a bit more clued up about things. My husband wouldn't have been kicked out of the hospital 40 minutes after I gave birth and I wouldn't have had to struggle through a hospital stay on my own. We would have had visitors to help and maybe if I'd had a health visitor come in person rather than on the phone, they would have noticed his tongue tie earlier. All these things are what-ifs though and I'm sure that if life was normal there would have been different challenges, probably too many visitors for a start. There are positives to the situation and I was thankful for the restful third trimester of pregnancy I had, furloughed and locked down in a beautiful sunny spring. I was thankful that there was no pressure to go anywhere when I was feeling sleep deprived and in a total mess. I was thankful not to feel pressure to clean the house for visitors and because we've not had any baby groups to go to I haven't been able to compare him to other babies his age so there's no pressure on reaching any milestones. I try to look at the positives and I've had the most special time connecting with and loving this little human. I watch him develop and can truly see God's power and creativity. Becoming a parent has made me appreciate God as a father more each day And when it feels like I'm so far away from everyone, he's been with me each day. Thank you so much, Liz, for sharing that. All right. I have one from Sister in Baltimore. Her name's Anna. She writes, Helen, you had asked for my insight about my experience, and I think that I share many of the same sentiments from other moms that you shared with me, the loneliness, the missing out on things, etc. I've been very blessed to live with my in-laws, so I had a lot of support in the home. I really can't imagine those mothers who are all alone. I think I've been challenged spiritually this year for sure, as most people have. For me, I thrive on fellowship, the fellowship aspect of a collegial life, and getting involved in behind-the-scenes things. The pandemic has separated us as well as I have felt a bit stuck at home due to a baby in the house. I feel guilty when I think it's so much easier to stay home than to sit in the nursery with a fussy, tired baby because I'm missing a nap for this event. I have to find my stride and find my priorities and find my new role in the ecclesia. Everything changed when I became a mom and I'm still adjusting. I pray for God's grace as well as the patience for myself as I figure it out. I know I want to put God first in my family, and that's the most important thing. I think that's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, Amanda Rabado wrote in and she said, I'm trying to give myself grace. Grace is a word that is used a lot in the support group that she's in on Facebook. And she said, it's something I'm practicing. Awesome. How has motherhood affected your faith, especially during this time? And I think like Anna and Elizabeth also talk about how it's, it changes your identity. Yeah, I really think about how they mentioned like how you see yourself in the ecclesia, ecclesial body and how you serve. And, you know, a lot of faith is just the actions that you're taking in your faith community. So I think my faith been I guess affected or or changed with the pandemic in 
maybe echoing Anna a little bit of re revamping myself or re seeing myself differently in, in the occlusal body. The one way that Nate and I were very active in serving was we would have like youth events at, at our home all the time. And we really felt like we were being called to bring together the New England youth to help enhance their faith. So once COVID happened, obviously we were not able to host. And that's something him and I very much like we work well together and we were actively doing that to serve in our in our community. So that sort of went away. And I think the challenge with faith for myself was okay, I'm not doing that anymore, then what am I doing? And now I'm in lockdown, I'm at, at home all the time. How can I still be serving and combating just like this focus on self? So a few things that I did that I think helped me move through that constructively was choosing to do other things. My pandemic projects, so, so to speak, or well, pandemic into Joel being a baby, one of another young sister and I redid the nursery Sunday school room at our ecclesia, which probably hadn't been touched since like <laughs> I don't know if ever. Like <laughs> really bad shape, discuss like just disgusting if we're being honest. Like walls looked like smokers had been in there, like just really not great. So putting my heart and soul into that space really, I think, invigorated my faith and in serving the ecclesia in a different way that I hadn't really thought of before and spending time with that sister as well. And I think what this time has also taught me about my faith is sometimes you just need to like step out of your comfort zone a little bit and just, just do something because you, with the nature of the pandemic, Things aren't e like just easy. We're not having potlucks. We're not having youth events. We're not, you know, slowly things are going to start up again here soon. But so another thing I chose to do, this girl that I had met and been friends with for a while now, I had already always had a sense she was like interested in learning. Just like jumped out of my comfort zone, just messaged her, hey, you want to do a Bible study? And I think prior to the pandemic, like I don't know, like that wasn't something I had ever really done. I was like, I need something to just get myself going here. And it's been, I've pretty well taught her the entire entirety of every first principle. Not quite, we're getting there, but she's been with me for almost four months now. And that was the spur to do that was because the circumstances had changed. So I think, yeah, this pandemic or this time has actually affected me in a very positive way because it's challenged me to look at faith differently and it's challenged me to approach things differently and step out of my comfort zone a little bit and seek opportunities to serve rather than just be used to things just falling into my lap of, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm helping with dishes after a potluck or whatever. Yeah, it's helped me to just be more creative in, in my service to God. So I think it's been a very positive had a positive impact on my faith. That's wonderful. And like it has moved you into a new place where you might not be serving like lots and lots of people, but you're building relationships with individuals and sharing God's love in that way. 
Yeah, I think even without the pandemic, you end up spending more time at home with the little baby. That's just <laughs> that's part and parcel of the you know, like mm-hmm. of, of when a new baby comes along. And I think that's really hard to adapt to anyway. You can't go out whenever you want. <laughs> you can't see all the people that you want anyway. <laughs> You're quite social. So how have you navigated that as well? Like, have there been times where you felt isolated or lonely? Honestly, Helen, I just give all the props to all stay-at-home mothers who have done that without their husband home. And I mean, some mothers might be like, what? Like, I'd rather him not home. But the biggest game changer has been for me is having Nate at home. And even though he's working and doing his thing, just having that company, like when Mm -hmm. he's not here and I'm here alone with the baby, that's when I feel it. Um, Like, I'm so grateful for his companionship, his friendship, and just to have another person to, you know, be like, oh, hi, aside from just having Joel. I, I, I say to him, I don't know. I don't know if I could do this. I don't know if I could be at home with a a baby all day by myself Mm. without being extremely lonely. So for any mother who's doing that, like this huge props, because It'll be gone a day and I can feel like the dramatic difference of just not having, yeah, just a companion, even though you're not, you're doing different things. It's just to have someone there. Yeah. So I, I have been fortunate that I haven't really felt that aside from the days that he's away. And we live in a small apartment. So we're like, we're really like, <laughs> we're, we're close. <laughs> been doing great. Do you want to, do you want to share what Rosie Rittmeyer from London, mm. UK? shared because I think she some of your thoughts resonated with how she talks about her husband as well and that companionship yeah absolutely but also also how things were challenging because without Mm. the support of other women especially other mothers Mm, definitely all right so Rosie is from London in the UK and she writes the first lockdown started the day I left work for maternity leave everything fell felt quite up in the air and despite being a nurse it was hard to know what to expect I focused on practicalities stocking up packing hospital bags cleaning it had already occurred to me that my maternity leave was going to be significantly affected but I had no idea it was going to be a whole year and beyond our hospital is fantastic and although there were restrictions Joel was allowed to stay as we had a side room, which I was grateful for, as I had to have a C-section. Yes, same with me. We were back and forwards to the hospital for a week, and Isla... Isla, sorry. (laughs) Isla, the UK way. Isla had lost weight, but when we were officially discharged, it hit me that we were not going to see family and friends for a long time. Not only did I want to share my joy of having this new human in our lives, I wanted support. I wanted hugs and reassurance that we're doing okay. I craved experience of other mothers, my mom. I felt like I couldn't be completely honest with others, including my mom, in case they worried. The phrase, it takes a village to raise a child, used to make me really angry. I had my good and bad days. I felt guilt for feeling sad and lonely when we had a beautiful, healthy baby and there were others who were experiencing loss. This still makes me teary when I think back. 
However, through this very strange year, I am thankful for the following. My girl, who has a wonderful personality and despite knowing very few people, smiles and waves at passersby when we're out for a walk. My husband, for being my, an absolute rock, working from home has meant that he has been able to spend more time with Isla than we had previously expected. Being able to keep in contact with family and friends via the internet, my two new mom friends, we muddled through every new stage together and have walked at least 100 kilometers over this year. Awesome. A new type of strength and confidence coming from relying on my intuition for the year. To be honest, this year I have felt it quite hard to be close to God. My faith hasn't wavered, but I haven't been able to or felt able to dedicate time to God. Not having a physical meeting, breaking of bread to go to and share with others has caused me to lose, a fo lose focus a little. Having said that, when I watch Isla grow and interact with the world, it puts me in awe of God's power and love for us. Oh, Rosie, we love you. <laughs> it's a lot. Thank you so much for sharing that, Rosie. I spent a lot of time with Rosie in London, but we left and we knew four years ago. I think for Rosie as well, she's, she's an amazing nurse. So I think also to be in the medical profession and then have to experience giving birth in a hospital like when you know everything. That's, yeah. It's hard. Yeah, my but, sister is a medic, a paramedic. And I asked her once, I was like, is it helpful like when the kids are sick or get hurt, like that you're a paramedic? She's like, yeah, sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. So for Rosie, like I can imagine like helpful to know all this stuff, but it's also sometimes probably not helpful. <laughs> or in that instance, it wasn't. Did any of her story resonate with you? Has Jay, how many ba other babies has JJ met? Slow but sure, like a couple neighbor babies, his cousin. I can definitely relate to those things, but things are starting to open up. So I love her point of her two new mom friends. I've gotten close with a couple of my neighbors and it really does make a difference just having a few people you can go walking with or whatever. You don't need a ton, just like a few people to be like, yeah, I get it. Like that aspect of motherhood is hard or, you know, I'm there too. I just have that relatability. Yeah, I really appreciated the support that I had from my other mom friends at my ecclesia when I had my first baby. Mm -hmm. Many of them were having second or third babies. So they were a little bit more relaxed about having a baby. And I think that spending time with them, we used to go to our teacher hall every Friday for what we called lunch club. And to distract ourselves from the like the blur of motherhood, we'd like, we'd cook, we'd go through different cookbooks and try different stuff and we'd cook it in advance and bring it. But that was mm -hmm. like at meeting every Friday with my like sisters and mother and actually older mothers came along who had children in school or whatever, but spent time with us. So they were like auntie and grandma figures. And that I think that was the highlight of my week. Even if I'd had a really hard time that week, then coming to the Ecclesia Hall on the Friday and seeing other sisters with babies, seeing mm. other people and then and then going home again. Like it was, yeah, that really helped. And I can't imagine what it's been like for many mothers throughout this past year to not have groups other mums and meeting other babies and 
because that becomes part of your life and your rhythm because Mm -hmm. rhythm is so important I think when you've got a little baby Mm, absolutely totally (laughs) for for your own sanity lots of mental health problems this past year and I think it's definitely hit mothers because I think it can anyway we know it can even pre-pandemic hmm 100% This message comes from Josie Walker in Virginia. After a miscarriage at 20 weeks, another miscarriage eight months later, and then a few more months of trying, we finally got pregnant and had our first baby in November 2020. The circumstances of the pandemic made having a baby easier in some ways. With Jacob and I both teaching virtually for much of this school year, we were granted three extra months of time with Samir at home. We took our parental leave separately instead of at the same time, which is something we really only felt brave enough to do, knowing that Jacob was teleworking and in the house if I really needed him. Being teachers, the opportunity to telework was never an option for us in pre-COVID times, so we were extremely grateful for that. By the time we both returned in person to work and started bringing Samir to my parents for daycare, he was six months old. The original plan was to do this at three months. The extra time we got with him at home was such a blessing to us. For me, my biggest struggles with mental health and my faith happened in the year before the pandemic and throughout the time I was pregnant with Samir. I was riddled with anxiety about whether I would ever be able to carry a pregnancy full term. Having a healthy £8.5 baby in November and spending these last six months with him I have felt happier and closer to God than ever before. While we're talking about tough times as well, I'm going to share a little bit from Amanda Rabade, who's down in Virginia in the USA. I've been dealing with postpartum anxiety and depression during the last five months. I don't know what it's like to be pregnant when I could actually go places and not be afraid of a virus. Like I said, my parents have not met Owen yet and it breaks my heart. I do love the technology that we have to stay in touch and how quickly it can be accessed, but it doesn't replace the contact that I've been desperately craving over the last year or so. Human contact is important, especially with family and friends and believers. We were able to keep our little ones safe from the virus, but felt more isolated as a result. I've suffered also from PTSD as his birth was traumatic and been trying to cope and come to terms with that also. It hasn't affected my personal faith, but I pray for things I never thought about praying for before and was maybe blind to, I'm not sure. I feel a lot of regret not soaking in the time with Owen as a newborn, as I was just going crazy with crying and feeling disconnected because I couldn't breastfeed. And then that changed Sundays for me as I was catching up on sleep in the mornings. I'm trying to give myself grace. Grace is a word that is used a lot in our support groups. It's something I'm practicing. Yeah, I think that's so important. Like there can be really hard days as well as good days. Roller coaster yeah. emotions. Totally. And I think just like women in general, especially probably mothers, like we're just, we tend to be hard on ourselves. Like we need to have grace because 
we can read all the what to expect books and talk to everyone, but ever pre, like older mothers and stuff, but it just comes kind of down to that child and your experience and the time. Like it's, we need to have grace. It's, you got to take it day at a time. And the model, model is there with God as well and us as children we're all children of God we're actually not adults of God we're children of God and remembering that he is our father and that we are his children and Mm. that is a humbling feeling knowing how we can go to him with anything that's on our Mm. hearts and minds yeah I think when I had babies I prayed at night a lot I didn't pray much in the day but it was in those like midnight 2 a.m 4 a.m times -hmm. when it was dark and a little bit cold and you're just holding a baby to your chest or feeding like they were the times where I felt close to God Mm. and I felt I could pray in that silence yeah yeah taking advantage of a meditative time (laughs) for the many times you're up in the middle of the night yeah it yeah it's hard I think it's hard going from not being a mother to being a mother and that identity shift and also how and having time to connect with God because you're looking after a little human being and that does take up a lot of mental space that's probably one of my biggest challenges like you just mentioned that of identity change after having Joel and for a couple months just battling with feeling guilty that I wanted to be doing something more than just the mom thing that I wanted to be working I battled with that for a few months of you know it it should just be okay that you're just doing the mom thing and just be okay with that like why isn't that enough for you in terms of identity it was like this real tough shift of yeah like I'm a a mom but is that it like can Mm -hmm. I have something for myself to to be contributing elsewhere outside of like diaper changes and nighttime feeds it's definitely like this challenging I think probably every mother faces of where they fit and how they see themselves and I definitely was very challenged by it for several months yeah I I was and I think I still am as like as my children grow and change and I grow and change with them I've thinking I've been thinking a lot about how where we place our values like we can place our value in our work for example and that gives us Mm -hmm. a sense of identity and belonging and value and then when we lose a job or we don't have a job then we feel a great loss and I think that can also compare to like you've got a new job now as a mother it's a very different job from any other job that anyone has ever done before (laughs) And taking that shift, like, this is my job now, I'm a mum, I'm meant to do these things, I'm meant to care for this little human being and, and show them love. And I think in your work, you can be very good at things, like, but mm-hmm. at, when you first become a mum, like, it's your beginner again, it's like learning to drive. <laughs> and that right. is such a humbling experience. And I think that really is the time where we have to give ourselves grace and, and ask for God's grace to, for forgiveness and, and to forgive ourselves. Mm, yeah definitely I think too it's tough where I can speak for myself of with motherhood there's not really certainly there's a lot of like things that are rewarding like daily but there's not really any sort of way to really measure like how you're doing or 
for someone to be like, hey, great. Or like, you you completed that. Oh, you completed three diaper changes today. Fantastic. And that's like super simplifying it. But like when you're in a job, you complete tasks that impact like the overall operation of something. And you have someone, hey, thanks for doing that, whatever. Yeah. Whereas in motherhood, you don't really have, you don't really have that. You know, and I'm grateful for Nate. He's so encouraging and present as a dad. I would be in tougher shape because without him, because I need the sense of kind of reassurance or just like words of affirmation. Yeah, right. Like verbal feedback. It's like words of affirmation in my love language. So it's really tough when you're just like, I don't know. As a new mom, you're like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm doing a good job. And left to my own mind without any external feedback is not always the most helpful thing yeah and that's where faith comes into it I think in that Mm -hmm. where we don't have the affirmation we have to have more trust and take that leap of faith and wrestle because I think all these mothers have wrestled who shared their stories with us have wrestled in different ways I'm just gonna actually I'm gonna read from Crystal in is it Saskatchewan? Saskatchewan, yeah. <laughs> Crystal from Saskatchewan in Canada. She had her fourth baby and she said, facing this without faith of God's control would have been terrifying, but it really is such a reassurance to know that no matter what happens, our times are in his hands and all things happen for a reason. Yeah, wow. I, I really liked that. She said that, even though things were nerve-wracking, it was less nerve-wracking because it wasn't her first baby. And mm. she said that if it had been her first baby, it would have been really cha- challenging. But I think all of this just shows how much we God has built us for connection and we need connection, we need each other, just as much mm. as like our babies need us and like the bonding and connection. You're going to talk now about connection. You're going to talk about online Christadelphian Bible schools. So Cara, this summer, what's happening? Or summer in the Northern Hemisphere, <laughs> winter in the Southern. <laughs> I guess I should share a contact. So I'm yeah. working with WCF with Helen. So we're working together. I'm handling all event things. So our biggest event that's coming up is an online Bible school this summer. So yeah, to echo this need for connection, something that is really well done. Context, I wasn't raised in Christelphia. I've only been in the faith for a few years now but I think one thing that Christophia does so well is Bible schools and when I attend Bible schools I feel connected to this bigger community that God's family is not just my immediate ecclesia that it, it's so much bigger and you feel like you're a part of something bigger and I it, it, it's something that's really amazing and faith enhancing so another summer is coming up and there are little to no Bible schools, and there was none last year. WCF recognizes the need. So we ran an online Bible school last year. We're doing it again this year from July 3rd to 24th. The awesome thing about it is there's tons of classes, so adult classes, sisters' classes, youth classes that are going to be made available every day during that period of time, except on Sundays. and Participants, you don't need to see everything or attend everything. You pick and choose. It's like a menu, like this spiritual menu. But we're also going to be running some events that are like 
big for a lot of like viewers as well as like breaking out on Zoom to different rooms so you can chat and connect with people that you wouldn't have otherwise met or um, known brothers and sisters from all over the world. We're currently up to a dozen countries that we have registrants from. So it's just, it's really cool. I encourage everyone to sign up onlinebible.school and yeah, there's no pressure. You can attend as little to as much of all that we have going on and, and get that Bible school sense that we are all missing. So see you there. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so it's onlinebible.school. Onlinebible.school. Fantastic. Yeah. Or if you're on Facebook or Instagram, search online Christophian Bible School and you will find us as well. And as we've talked a lot about mothering and parenting, tell us a little bit more about the children's classes and activities. So the children's program, I'm really excited for. We have probably about 40 teachers. We're doing it a little differently than we did last year. So last year, we just had a teacher assigned to a specific age group for the duration of the school. And that's typically what Bible schools are like. But this year, what we're doing, so we've assembled these 40 teachers, and they're all pre-recording their classes. So all the classes are pre-recorded and will have be accessible. We're not releasing all of them at the beginning of the school. It'll be batch releases each week. But the cool thing is those teachers are going to be giving a class in one of three categories. So the three categories are ponder, so this sense of like thinking about God, talking about God, all of these things. The second one is play, so activity-based, movement, like more like kinetic learning. And then the third one is praise. So it's gonna be like singing, sing-alongs, learning songs, musical praise, all of these things. So ponder, play, and praise. So for any parent that's listening or young teen, et cetera, the cool thing is families will have the opportunity to head to the site and click on the type of class they're interested in. Okay, Joel's super young, but say Joel is like five. All right, Joel and I, we're going to log in. We want to do a, a play class. You click on play, you'll see all kinds of different class options. And the cool thing is we can participate in any one we want. Even if we wanted to do uh, a class that was meant for 12-year-olds, we can. We're not limited by age. It'll say recommended age. You can go in and click anything you want. And for all the teens, so that is 13 and up, you will not only have access to the classes on the site, but we also have a sister who's running some super fun activities and things through social media, specifically through our Instagram account. The classes will be made available through Instagram, um, Instagram Lives, and she's got some fun stuff planned with live musical praise events, as well as some you know fun social act- activities. So anyways, lots in store for everyone. We're, we're very excited. And I mean, if you have any questions about anything, you're de- you definitely can reach out to me. Well, there's one question. I Thank you so much, Cara. Yeah. There's one question I forgot to ask you. What would you like to say to all the other new mothers out there? All the new moms. I'm still very new myself. Joel is only seven months. 
But I think one thing I feel very passionately about is that, I mean, I think the same thing, this goes as well for marriage or anything. Everyone has something to say about, I don't know if this is actually just opinions or it's just what we say. Oh, you know, you're never going to sleep again. You're not going to have a life again. Oh, wait till they start eating food. That's hard. Or wait till they start crawling or wait till this. Or same with marriage. You get married, your life's over. It goes downhill from there. And people are just very much naysayers. And I just disagree with that, that, that talk or even giving into that. Oh, you have a second baby. They're the worst. Don't label any of it, you know, just, yeah. just embrace each season. Yes, you'll sleep again. The babies are not up three, four times a night for the rest of your life. So it's, it's just not realistic. Just embrace the season. Take a, a, a note from Helen's book and use that time for prayer or just be okay with it and just embrace like, wow, this is a new, exciting chapter in my life yeah. rather than, oh, wow, like, there's Joel walk starts crawling like it's going to be bad. Like, yeah. don't label it. Don't label it. That That is my, what I am, like really want to say to moms, because we just get it from all angles. Yeah. Have a positive outlook and embrace. Yeah. Embrace and it. Don't label it. Totally. And embrace God in all of this and, mm-hmm. and the Lord Jesus. And I think when we're thinking about changing identities, it doesn't matter whether we're a mother or not. I think even what Rosie was saying about she was angry you know about it takes a village because she wanted her village and it wasn't there Mm. obviously because of lockdown even though she has a wonderful village like many Mm. of us do but our identities change but the one thing that never changes as Mm. believers is that our identity is in Christ and we Mm. can lose things we can gain things we can go through tough seasons and joyful seasons but we always have Jesus that's such a good point, Helen. And it, it, he's steadfast. Yeah. Like it, 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 you're right. Like it doesn't matter if you're at the stage where your baby's up for four times a night. Like God is there. Or I'm about, Joel's about to crawl from one end to the room. There's going to be some challenges. There's going to be great days. There's going to be tough days with that like new whatever. But yeah, God's there. Jesus is there every step of the way, whatever aspect of life, motherhood or marriage or work life or anything. I love that you brought that to light. It's so comforting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Cara. And I would like to say a big Um, thank you to all the mums who wrote in to us. And if you didn't manage to write to us and you want to write something, that would be featured on our blog or you just want to share your story with us personally or even if you want to connect with other Christadelphian mums who've had a baby during the pandemic if you're feeling isolated and lonely and you'd love to like connect with each other get in touch with us and we'll get you in touch with each other we just want to remind you that you are loved and you are valued and that we have a God that loves us very much thank you